Let's go on to the word of God this morning. Um, shall we turn our Bibles to Matthew's gospel? As we um, this morning um, meditate from the passage of the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, we recognize that this is not just um, a ritual or a customary thing that we go through year after year. And sometimes it can become that way. Oh, Palm Sunday, I know Jesus came and he rode on a donkey and they took palm branches and they waved and they sang those songs. Hosanna in the highest and all of that. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, we are very familiar with the story. Probably some of us are not. And if you are not familiar with the story, go back and read uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21. And this morning we will thoroughly go into the story uh, from uh, almost, we will touch on all of the Gospels. And uh, each of the Gospel writers are presenting the same story and some of them have probably added on some more information and some of them probably have given us less information. Now, the point is that the, uh, there may be some differences in some of the particulars or the specifics uh, that were recorded in, s in many of the you know, incidents that happen in the gospel. And maybe some of us may be wondering, uh, what is this? It looks so contradictory. Uh, there it says two blind men. Here it says blind Bartimaeus. Uh, so was it two or one? Don't worry about that. <laughs> it was a blind man. It was either blind men or man. But whatever be it, the point is that each of the gospel writers had a message that they were conveying and they had a particular audience to whom they were writing to. For example, Matthew was writing to the Jews and so you would see him putting down a lot of material from the Old Testament to prove and to explain uh, about who the Messiah is from the scriptures. For the first century believers, that was the Old Testament, or the only scriptures they had. And so he would bring out a lot from, um, you know, the Old Testament. And while Mark is a short gospel and he's quickly wanting to write a message and probably to the, uh, you know, Gentile believers in Rome. And these were probably all written after 50 AD, um, you know, at least after a couple, uh, about a couple of decades after Jesus died and rose again and ascended back into heaven. And so you got to understand the timing. And uh, in fact, many of the gos these gospels were written after the letters of Paul were written to the churches. And so there is a long time gap and the first generation of eyewitnesses were passing off, you know, dying. And uh, so they did not, and at that time, the way the message and the truths were passed on was by oral tradition by word of mouth from one generation to another. And because of the eyewitnesses that were passing away, um, these men uh, who uh, were like Matthew, who was a disciple of Christ, the tax collector, and Mark, John Mark, uh, who was with Paul and who heard uh, the messages of Christ, and many others, Luke and John, who was a disciple of Christ, all of them said this is necessary for the uh, churches to be established in the teachings of Christ uh, they need to be made sure that this is who Jesus was and what he spoke and taught and what he did. And so they were passing them on as teaching material documents to um, the churches um, in the first century. And so we got to understand the gospels from that uh, perspective and not assume that, uh, you know, that somebody is contradicting someone else. They were writing to different audiences as the spirit inspired them. And they wrote some of the details and some of these collections of materials that m these men uh, had 
uh, were uh, you know by oral tradition and they look for example would say you know i carefully investigated he was a very much an invest like an investigative journalist uh, who is documenting a material uh, to most excellent theophilus uh, theophilus by his name uh, probably means uh, um uh, god lover theo uh, means uh, god and philio is love in greek and so god lover uh, probably a man of high position and so luke is putting down this document of luke and acts saying uh, i want to make sure that whatever has been taught to you is being uh, is is authentic i want to make it very clear to you make it known to you that what you have learned about jesus uh, is authentic and here i have carefully while many others have put down several documents i have carefully investigated and i have put this down for you most excellent theophilus and probably also that as that word as that name means god lover he was probably writing to the god lovers uh in at that time to whom he was writing to and so we got to understand that as we're going through these passages and you might find different uh phrases or differences in each of the gospels uh we got to understand that these were written as the spirit inspired them and were written to different audiences for with a different intention and were handed down as teaching uh about Christ to the early church and so it serves the same way to us this morning as well and so we are not just reading some uh, ancient historic document and some kind of a uh, historical incident that has no connection with us but these were written down as teaching for us amen all right so with that uh, large uh, background understanding let's go into this passage of scripture from Matthew's gospel chapter 21 <clears throat> and we read um, the whole chapter a long reading but necessary reading reading um would somebody read uh, Matthew's gospel chapter of Zion behold thy king cometh unto thee meek and sitting upon an ass and a colt the foal of an ass and the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them and brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes and set him thereon and a great multitude spread their garments in the way others cut down branches from the trees and strewed them in the way and the multitudes that went before and that followed cried saying hosanna to the son of david blessed is he that cometh in the name of the lord hosanna in the highest and when he was come into jerusalem all the city was moved saying who is this and the multitude said this is jesus the prophet of nazareth of galilee and jesus went into the temple of god and cast out all of them and sold brought and bought in the temple 
and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them it is written my house shall be called the house of prayer but he have made it a den of thieves maybe someone else can take a turn and read from verse 14 onwards and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them but when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple hosanna to the son of david they were indignant and they said to him do you hear what they, these are saying and jesus said to them yes have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise and leaving them he went to the city to bethany and lodged there in the morning in the morning as he was returning to the city he became hungry and seeing a fig tree by the wayside he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves and he said to it may no fruit ever come from you again and the fig tree withered at once when the disciples saw it they marveled saying how did the fig tree wither at once and jesus answered them truly i say to you if you have faith and do not doubt it you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree but even if you say to this mountain be taken up and thrown into the sea it will happen and whatever you ask in prayer you will receive if you have faith came to him by what authority are you doing these things they asked and who gave you this authority Jesus replied I will also ask you one question if you answer me I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things John's baptism where did it come from was it from heaven or from men they discussed it among themselves and said if we say from heaven he will ask then why didn't you believe in him but if we say from men we are afraid of the people for they all hold that John was a prophet So they answered Jesus we don't know then he said neither will i tell you by what authority i am doing these things we can read the parable yes please go ahead in the vineyard he answered and said i will not but afterward he regretted it and went that he came to the second and said likewise and he answered and said i go sir but he did not go which of the two did and the will of his father they said to him the first jesus said to them assuredly i said to you the tax collect- uh, collectors and harlot enter the kingdom of god before you for john came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him but the tax collectors and herlot believed him and when he when you saw it you did not afford relevant and believe him yeah, we can read the next parable also someone listen to another another parable there was a land owner who planted a vineyard he put a wall around it dug a winepress in it and built a watchtower when he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place when the harvest time approached he sent his servants to the ten- 
tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized the servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures, The stone the builder rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parable, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. Yes, a long read this morning, but a necessary read. Um, to title this morning's message, I would call it The Donkey Ride, <laughs> Signaling, Deliverance and Doom. This donkey ride signaled deliverance and doom. That's what you find in this whole passage. Unfortunately, very often, we have understood the scriptures very selectively and only uh, looking at limited portions of scripture without looking at the whole discourse or the large context there. But if you go through the whole thing as what is going on, you find that it's not just about palm branches. It is not just about cloaks being put out there. It's not about having a palm branch taken from church and fixed over the photograph of a painting of Jesus that hangs on our living rooms. Nor is it about hanging that palm leaf made into the shape of a cross, put just outside the door. <laughs> These are traditions that have come into Christian, the Christian world. No harm, making a leaf into the shape of a cross, making a wood in the shape of a cross. That might probably remind us that Jesus died for us, but we got to be careful that we are not worshipping it. And uh, that cross made in the form of a, out of a leaf, palm leaf, which dries up and stays there for the whole year until the next Palm Sunday, is, does not have any power to ward off any evil. Amen. First, let me knock off all the wrong concepts when it comes to regard with Palm Sunday. That's not going to throw away or resist or stop any Satan from entering our homes. That's the very, very pious uh, imagination. That is very untrue and you'd have nothing in scriptures to support a belief like that. Oh, some of you say, no, no, no. See, my 
tata was there and he had it like that and in fact he fell uh, at the doorstep but he had no injury it was because my grandma put that you know leaf that we brought from church in a sacred way she put it and it no it's not of course i understand you're not it's not about the leaf but you know there is that faith when they put there no your faith must be scriptural not traditional are you with me this morning the basis of whatever we believe must be scriptural and not tradition the basis must not be on tradition and so and this morning i'm not standing up to say to condemn anyone who carries a palm leaf and puts it in their home or receives one from the churches they are part of we wish we could have also found some palm leaves and made some crosses and handed them over to you and you could have gone waving them and happily putting them probably inside your car and made them stand in the front or whatever you know fine nothing wrong with it uh, as long as we don't worship it as long as we don't believe that that has any power for protection amen it's fine to use a leaf make it in the shape of a flower make it in the shape of uh, jesus's tomb make it in the shape of a cross make it into any shape no problem fine but our faith must be very clear and we need to have our understanding clear amen and especially because some of us come from a christian background and we've been handed down with a lot of baggage and sometimes garbage also that have come we have accumulated over the last 21 centuries which are not biblically accurate you get what i'm talking about and so we got to understand that these are things not necessary oh this church you know they don't have all this kind of nice things you know like palm leaf they don't give all this you know very uh, poor in tradition keeping tradition but no what is tradition and what is biblical must be clearly understood amen are you with me this morning All right let's read scriptures now as go back to the scripture and see this donkey ride has is just signaling a great deliverance that Jesus is bringing about where he's coming in as the king very often when Jesus would do a miracle he would tell the people who received that miracle don't tell anybody but there was a time that he had an appointed time where he would come forth publicly asking and when he is riding on this colt of a donkey and he is coming forth as a king and where people understood him as king how did they know that because the old testament scriptures talked about how your messiah will come riding on a donkey and he will be the savior in zechariah actually dedicates a long st- uh, stretch of passage of his writing in his prophecy about this coming king and uh, and so you find here um that Jesus is entry into Jerusalem was to come for the Passover feast and he himself is going to be sacrificed as the Passover lamb and the city of he comes into the city of David to show forth as the king because they were expecting for a king who will come in the line of David who will be like David who will fight against their enemies and give them a political victory and who will establish his kingdom and his throne and he will rule and they will go back to the times of David and have this beautiful wonderful blessed time where their cities will be built up and they will have financial prosperity and they will be protected from their enemies 
they were waiting for a time like this and little did they understand that this messiah who has already come is not a political deliverer who's not coming on a white horse with a large sword and a spear to cut off the enemies uh, uh, the roman uh, you know uh, uh, the enemy kingdom that has come in they did not understand that he is not going to be that kind of a king that they imagine but he is going to be a king of kings and the lord of lords god himself who's going to come down and save them not from just the earthly bondage of uh, being uh, subjected to roman the roman empire but they are going to be delivered from the greater bondage of sin that they were uh, you know uh, bound to and so in that is the purpose of Jesus' coming where he's going to come and fulfill this plan of salvation. Do the work of salvation, redemption, by dying on the cross for which he's entering into Jerusalem. And even right in chapter 20, you find Jesus is speaking to his disciples and telling them about how he is going to die and he will rise again. And the disciples did not understand what he is talking about at that time. Um, and then you find that as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, he comes on this public display uh, of his kingship. This donkey ride is not just uh, meaningless and purposeless or just something uh, very simple and ordinary or just out of some random thought. But this is a fulfillment of prophecy, uh, which is a, over a 500-year-old prophecy probably. And this coming was establishing his kingship um, that he has come to build his kingdom and this kingdom that he has come to build is not a kingdom that is of this world but a kingdom which is a spiritual kingdom where Jesus is going to be the king over the hearts and lives of people of those who will put their trust in him and believe in his name and so as he entered, this is signaling uh, deliverance that is coming to mankind, but at the same time also signaling a doom for those right there, the Jews, the Pharisees, the leaders of the Jews who would not accept him. And Israel, as Israel was waiting for a king, like David and like Moses also prophesied, God will raise up another time a prophet like me. And so they were they said he's a prophet because they were waiting for those fulfillments of the ancient prophecies. And this king was going to make all of the difference in the lives of those people and is going to is made a difference in all our lives also. And now as this uh, ride into Jerusalem is signaling deliverance and doom, well, Jesus is establishing his kingship right there publicly. We want to, we're going to understand this morning that Jesus is our king also. Amen. What we're reading is not disconnected to us, but very much applicable to us because Jesus has become our king. We are not now in the kingdom of darkness, but we are in the kingdom of light. We are not in the kingdom of the devil, but we belong to the kingdom of God. And so we who are right now in the kingdom of God have received Jesus, not only as our savior, but as our king also. 
and as a king god demonstrates his kingship in our lives and we're going to see that as he did it then in the same way he establishes his kingship over our lives as well and that's what we're going to look at and that's what we read also number 1 we find his sovereignty in his simplicity <laughs> the simplicity and his sovereignty going hand in hand as his kingship let me define the word sovereignty when we talk about the word sovereign it simply means that he has all power all authority over everything and he does what he desires what he wishes he plans what he wants to accomplish and he accomplishes them he's sovereign over our lives you find the sovereignty and very often while you have you're talking about somebody in authority or in power you're also talking about some others who are subject to that authority and power and to the sovereignty of that person but here you find he's not an authoritarian but he's very much authoritative in his teaching because the people say what who is this man what kind of authority is he doing these things that's what the pharisees and the leaders came and asked by what authority are you doing these things when they saw him do healing and signs and wonders and miracles and so you find him not as an authoritarian and so he also helps the disciples understand that they ought not to be like the leaders of the gentiles who lord it over them but he speaks with spiritual authority but there is also an aspect of simplicity as he is sovereign also are you with me this morning so when you talk about somebody in position in authority you imagine the person to be because of his rank order of being in that position of authority a commander in chief of the army is a person who is in a position of authority by rank and so because he sits in that seat because he takes upon himself that number of stars and the medals that he has won he has come to this position of authority and authority has been vested to him and he can exercise authority but here you see Jesus doing the same as king but also his sovereignty is seen in his simplicity also Amen. That's a kind of kingship that you and I experience with Jesus being our king. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go a little dig a little deeper into this in Matthew chapter 21 and let's read the first 13 verses once again. Let me read that for us. First 13 verses. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, "Go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there." with her cold by her untie them and bring them to me if anyone says anything to you say that the lord needs them and he will send them right away oh wow let's stop there in verse 3 jesus is sending two of the disciples and he says go ahead into the village and you will find a donkey tied there with her cold a young one by her first of all he's sovereign he's omniscient you see sovereignty there he knows even before he has been there this is not a pre planned uh, program where he has already informed some uh, owners of the donkeys and saying that you know make them ready and i'm going to come get them 
is coming into Bethphage. He's coming through Jericho and he has come into, uh, he's going to enter into Jerusalem and right there, he's saying, go ahead in the village. You will find this donkey and a colt. He already knows what is going to happen in the future. He already knows what is going on right in some other place. He knows about what will happen some other time. He's sovereign. Amen. He exercises his kingship right there while he sends two of his disciples. And so everything that happens here has a tremendous amount of significance. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus does not do anything without a reason and a purpose. And this demonstrates his foreknowledge or sovereignty as king. He's not like an earthly king. He is supernatural. He is a sovereign God who knows the end from the beginning. Hallelujah. He knows what will happen to you tomorrow. He knows what you would do in your life. You know, he knows what is what what is in store for your life in the future. He is sovereign as king over our lives. He is sovereign, and he says to the disciples, "Go ahead into this village, and you will find a donkey tied there by a colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, says that the Lord needs them, and He will send them right away." sovereign over people while he these disciples would go there and ask for the donkeys which owner would let them go if somebody would come and untie without asking he didn't say go and ask them if they will give it to you and if they give if they give it you know tell them just let me borrow it for a few hours and we will bring them back home safely no he was not negotiating there he was not offering to pay a, a rental value for that or anything like that he said go untie them if anyone asks tell them the lord needs it this means he knows that that owner of the donkey probably was a one who believed in the lord jesus already and so when he says when these disciples would say the lord needs them they would know oh it's the lord jesus and let them go immediately amen hallelujah which owner of a donkey would let their donkey and the colt of their donkey, you know, go away if somebody would come and take them away? They would have caught them and according to the Old Testament law, he would be caught as a thief and whatever punishment was, you know, given, you know, for a thief would be, you know, executed over them. But Jesus is sovereign over people. He's sovereign by his omniscience, he knows everything. He knows everything even before they happen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the sovereignty of Jesus. And uh, you see in verse 4 and 5, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He's coming to you gentle. Now this Messiah, this king, you know, is not an authoritarian, but he comes, although he's sovereign over people, he's sovereign by uh, knowing things ahead of time. He's also a God who is gentle. He's a king who is gentle. You see his sovereignty in his simplicity also. Amen. You, you see the mix of both in sovereignty and simplicity going hand in hand. 
together. And the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. Verse 7, they brought the donkey and the coal, placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. He didn't say, oh, no, 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 he was not an Indian. If it was an Indian, they would have said, oh, no, no, don't put all this, you know, nice clothes, you know, please don't do this. We would have been very, very um, embarrassed about people putting clothes for us to sit on. And, and Jesus is coming in as king. He received that honor. He received that position as king. When they put their cloaks, when they put, cut down palm branches and invited him and welcomed him and shouted praises to him, he received it as king. And so you see him sitting down and riding on the donkey. And then in contrast to that, let me show you another passage from chapter 20 of um, the same uh, book of Matthew. In chapter 20, you will find a mother's request. The mother of Zebedee's sons, you know, in fact, very interesting that she says this, uh, the writer of uh, the gospel, Matthew, Matthew is actually putting down right after Jesus predicting about his death. And imagining that he's going to go into his eternal kingdom, immediately the mother is asking, have one of my sons sit on your right and another one onto the left. This is probably uh, very much uh, indicative of the heart of a mother. You know, they want their sons, their children to be in a great position, you know, of a high place, uh, better than others, above everybody else, among their own peers. That's a good desire uh, of a good mother. But here Jesus says, what is it do you want? I normally mock at this a little bit, but I'm putting it down very well this morning. What is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. Verse 22, Jesus is saying, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. They absolutely had no idea of what he was talking about. When he's talking about the cup, he's talking about the cup of suffering. The cup of suffering meaning the sacrifice, the death on the cross, the suffering on the cross. But Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the true brothers. Jesus called them together and said, you know what? The rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. But not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as a son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You see, this is not just again a random incident that was put in there with no purpose. But Jesus is just helping them to understand that you know, this, the purpose why he came was to give his life as a ransom for many. And using this incident, he's bringing about that teaching. That he is going to die. He is preparing the people and helping them to know that he is their savior. He is the Messiah. He is coming in as a king. But in his kingship, you find that he is sovereign and yet he's very simple. He's coming. His simplicity is found in his servitude. His simplicity is found, simplicity is found in his heart to serve and not to receive service. 
anybody who is in a position of authority would receive help would receive service would receive worship would receive others you know serving them but here jesus comes as one who will serve and not to be served hallelujah this is the difference and so you find this kingship both as he is sovereign being played out his sovereignty being played out where he has full knowledge about the donkeys see where he says go and bring them if anyone asks tell them the lord needs it he has authority he has power over everything but at the same time he is also a god who is gentle a god who says in leadership you are not to be lording it over them not don't be authority an authoritarian don't be uh, be authoritative in your teaching but uh, at the same time make sure that you are gentle and you are, have the heart of one who will serve and this is how jesus is among us as king hallelujah hallelujah and so he comes to comfort us when we are comfortless he comes to wipe our tears when we are crying he comes as one who is gentle who is loving as one who speaks with authority but at the same time who is simple who is sovereign over every situation but who is also very simple at heart and he comes as one who serves hallelujah this is who our king is amen amen this is the kind of a king who was coming into jerusalem and these people who were expecting for a political deliverer who would come with a sword and a spear and uh, come on a white horse with an army and who would come and destroy their enemies and annihilate them and establish a kingdom and a throne and be seated and rule over their kingdom of israel they were so confused with this king what kind of a man is he what kind of a king is he they were absolutely blind to this king and that's why you have the record of the story of the blind man and the blind eyes being opened right after that amen praise the lord his sovereignty and his simplicity he has foreknowledge and he exercises his authority as lord and where they would let go when he says the lord needs it and both the donkey and the colt were brought why did they bring two when only the one was going to be used he is sovereign he would have his choice on the which one he would sit on and he goes and sits on the colt of the donkey he's sovereign amen Hallelujah. You see his sovereignty being played out in his foreknowledge. You see his sovereignty as he is Lord. You see his sovereignty as he makes his choice about what he wants. Amen. He is a sovereign God. But at the same time comes with humility and service and simplicity. The same and also you see his sovereignty as he clears the temple. If you come back to chapter 21, Chapter 21 verse 12 12 and 13 Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there He turned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves It is written he said my house will be called a house of prayer but you are making it a den of thieves These people were coming 
and the, the, the leaders, the Pharisees were coming and selling, you know, doves and lambs and all of these things there. And they were also involved in doing foreign exchange, forex, you know, right there in the outer courts. And the outer courts were a place meant for the Gentiles to come in. But these people were occupying that space. And when they would bring uh, a lamb, you know, for the sacrifice, according to the Old Testament law, where they would have to come and sacrifice a lamb for the remission of their sins, and these men would find some flaw and blemish in that lamb and say, you know, you can buy the doves and the lambs here, you know, because you're, what the offering you brought is blemished and they would extort and sell in high price and they would make money out of that. And also they said they would have to convert your currency into temple currency. And so there was also a foreign exchange thing happening, happening there. And so with all of this, they were extorting the people and they were occupying the place where the Gentiles had to come and they pushed the Gentiles out. And because of their hypocrisy and because of their pharisaical attitude and because they were lording it over them, Jesus was angry and at the close of his ministry also he takes the whip and he whips and he, and he throws the tables of the money changers and, and the doves and everything and says, you have made my house a den of thieves. You have robbed the place of the Gentiles. It's not that they're just robbing money. They have robbed the place of the Gentiles and so you've made my house and he's again, you know, his kingship, his sovereignty. This is my house. My house shall be called a, a house of prayer. And, and in some versions you would say a house of prayer for all nations, for all people. So for all ethnic people, ethnos in Greek, which sp speaks about all peoples. This is not just a house for the Jews alone. This is a house meant for the Jews and the Gentiles. And these people, because of their, you know, Jewishness and their... Uh, uh, hard-heartedness and their hypocritical living and uh, they are exercising uh, undue authority and extorting from people and they are pushing the people out. They're not giving them the space. And so he says, my house is called a house of prayer. It's not a den of thieves. You've robbed the place of the Gentiles. And so he's exercising and taking control of his house and he says, this is my house. I am the king of this house. Here is the one who is greater than the temple. Hallelujah. They were exalting the place, the temple, and they were gaining uh, out of that for their own selfish desires with dishonest gain. But here he says, this is my house. Here I am who is the Lord of this house, king of this house. He is sovereign over everything. He is sovereign with foreknowledge. He is sovereign as Lord He's sovereign in the choice he makes. He makes the choice. He has the authority to do what he wants. He's sovereign as the one who takes control over his house. This house belongs to the king of kings. We, the people of God, belong to him, our king. He's sovereign, but yet he's simple. He comes gently riding on a donkey and not on a horse, which is a symbol of great valor. He's simple, he's simple and he comes riding on the foal of a donkey and he teaches the disciples, you ought not to be like the lords, the Gentile rulers, the officials who lord it over them. Hallelujah. This is how Jesus is among us as king, sovereign and yet simple 
as one who serves. Hallelujah. We are his people. And so we recognize this morning that as deliverance has come to us and he is king over us, we got to understand his kingship is played out in his sovereignty and simplicity together. Quickly, number two. You see his kingship played out as through his supernatural power, demonstration of his supernatural power, but not for any show. Anybody who has supernatural powers will get a show. <laughs> will do a show. And today that's again a big business in our world. You have the Gurujis and the Godmen of this country who can do all kinds of magical things. Magicians, for example. If you watch, watch uh, Breaking the Magician's Code, you understand actually there's no magic in it. It's just that they're very skillful in doing some very tricky things that in a moment when they divert the attention of the crowd, they do something else here and show something else. Just a show. But Jesus has not come here to demonstrate his power for a show. And today, we unfortunately also have many Christians and many people who have the gifts of healing and stuff like that also doing it for a show. But Jesus is demonstrating a supernatural power and through that, he establishes and reveals his kingship over our lives. Let's go dig a little deeper again. In chapter 21, we read verses 14 and 15. Chapter 21, verses 14 and 15. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Why are these people unable to celebrate of a supernatural healing of the blind and the lame? These were religious leaders there. They could not do it. Somebody else comes and does it. Some good thing has happened for someone who is born blind, who is born lame, who has been dragging in their body and unable to walk. When they are healed, why aren't these people happy about it? because they have not accepted Jesus as their king. If you accepted Jesus as your king, you will see his supernatural power at work in your life and you will just celebrate. You will see the supernatural power of God working in other people's lives and you will celebrate. Hallelujah. You will not only experience his sovereignty and his simplicity and experience his kingship, you will also experience his supernatural power. Hallelujah. Yes, in this world, on one side, we have suffering, but you will also experience the supernatural power of God in the midst of the world filled with suffering also. Hallelujah. Amen. You see Jesus demonstrating his power, his kingship by healing them. And not only that, read again verses 18 to 22 of the same chapter. 18 to 22, early in the morning, as Jesus went on his way back to the city, he was hungry. He entered into Jerusalem, triumphal entry. People came celebrating, palm branches, goes into the temple, clears the temple, says my house is a house of prayer, exercises his kingship there and also demonstrated his kingship by doing signs and wonders and miracles. Where did he do that? In the temple, in the presence of the leaders and the Pharisees so that they will understand he is king. 
but their stubborn refusal of believing him as king takes him to the next day we're reading the story the next day he was hungry seeing a fig tree by the road he went to it but found nothing on it except leaves then he said to it may you never bear fruit again in fact this was not a time for figs to bear fruit it is not the season but still why did jesus curse the fig tree because uh, the figs always would have leaves um you know when they the, when the when the when the fruit come they would have the leaves and the leaves of the sign of the fruit also but the fruit wasn't there but only the leaf was there and so he curses the fig tree when the disciples saw this they were amazed how did the fig tree wither so quickly they asked jesus was doing this actually pointing to the way he was calling forth a doom on the people of israel for their stubborn refusal to believe in him as a king they failed to acknowledge him as king even though while they were sitting in this temple and praying let the messiah come they still today even today they go to the western side of the wall of that same temple in jerusalem and bang their face to the wall and pray for the messiah to come but they failed to recognize while they were banging the wall heads on the wall and praying for the messiah the king to come the king was walking just outside on the road the king was just coming into the temple the king was right there in the midst but they failed to recognize him as king and because of their stubborn refusal to believe him as king jesus curses the fig tree as a sign of the doom that was going to come upon the jewish people and jesus replied and said truly i tell you if you have faith and do not doubt not only can you do what was done to the fig tree but also you can say to this mountain hey this is a supernatural thing that is happening where he exercises power not over the lame and the blind by bringing forth the physical healing alone but he exercises a supernatural power over nature also when he speaks a word it withers away it points to the fact that he's bringing calling forth a doom prophesying a doom over the nation of israel but also he's speaking to the those who believed in him and he's saying it's only not it's not just about you it's not about me exercising authority over nature and showing forth my supernatural power where you understand i am king but you can also do the same whatever you say in my name if you speak to this mountain and say be thou cast into the sea it will be done if you believe you will receive whatever you ask in prayer you can unlock the supernatural power of mine when you ask me and here i am king i have authority over sickness i have supernatural power over sickness i have supernatural power over nations i have supernatural power over nature and nation of israel i have supernatural power and if you accept me as king you ask me and my power will come into your life and whatever you say will happen also his kingship being played out in our lives hallelujah i would me this morning amen his kingship played out in his sovereignty along with the simplicity his kingship being played out in the supernatural demonstration of his power the crowd that was gathered there you see a crowd coming there and following jesus the some who went ahead and some who followed as jesus went into jerusalem on this donkey some of these the the a bulk of the crowd that came 
and followed Jesus at this moment. How did this, who mobilized this crowd? Have you asked this question? Where did this crowd come from? How did suddenly people come in unison at the same time? Well, Jesus was going about many places and some places crowds followed him. But how did these crowds come this way with this kind of a celebration? One of the reasons it's found in John's gospel, we don't have time to refer there, is this crowd was the one that heard about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And so on hearing that that Jesus who raised Lazarus from the dead is coming into our city, they got down to come and just see who this man was because he's raised the dead or a man who was once dead for four days. Again, his kingship over death. Supernatural power over death. He can bring to life what is dead. Hallelujah. Even today, Jesus raises those who are dead. Unfortunately, there are some people, again, for a show, want to show as if somebody has been raised from the dead and they hire a hearse, put a man in a coffin, a live man, bring them to a meeting and the preacher comes out and with all cameras and everything right there in Jesus name you saw that video going viral on Facebook no come on and then the man white suit wakes up out of the coffin and he steps out <laughs> he comes like that dead man walking nice drama of Lazarus' death and resurrection. And he was sitting there and everybody was cheering. Thousands of people happened in South Africa. You should have visited that church, Brother Barnabas. <laughs> and you know what happened? Everybody, it came on the news, it came on the papers, it came on BBC, everywhere. Come on, you all should be watching some news. Man, it was a global news. Man raised from the dead. And then it was discovered it is fake news. Jesus' exercising of supernatural power is not for a show, but for him to exercise his kingship over the hearts and lives of people. Hallelujah. Why did he show forth the supernatural power? We are not praying for miracles to happen so that that will, can be captured on a camera and can be put out for a show. But we are praying for supernatural miracles so that people will receive Jesus as their king. Hallelujah. That people will receive Jesus as the Lord of their lives. Hallelujah. Amen. Not for something to be demonstrated on a platform and make some lame man to walk and then everybody is cheering. Oh, this man of God is able to do this drama. Very often, many of those miracles that happen in many big platforms are all staged. 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 Testimonies are staged. They're not true. Go and verify. Go to the doctor. Go get the papers out. Jesus is not doing miracles for a show. Jesus does miracles so that that person will receive Jesus as their king. There are some authentic miracles that happen. But many of the miracles that you see on television are staged. That is true. That is true. Amen. But the purpose of Jesus' miracles 
is not for a show that he will be king over their lives. Are you with me? Amen. Don't get disappointed that many of your heroes are probably not doing real things. Many of your heroes on television. That's why it's important that we go into scriptures the right way and understand scriptures and look through the biblical lens and not get deceived by showmanship. Why do people only put out a 10-minute episode of miracle you know, demonstrations and soon after the miracle is over, watch this on, on Christian television, you'll find this. Just after the miracle clippings are over, immediately the studio, the man comes on a studio, talk, and he says, now sow money into my ministry so that I can do more. The miracles excites emotionally and then immediately it's asking for money. It's all very well planned. And that's why I discourage people from watching too much of Christian television because there's too much of junk on it. Go to scriptures. See what did Jesus do. Let's go with it. That's enough. We don't know, need anything more. Hallelujah. There are some who are gifted, who truly have the grace and gifts are given to the body of Christ and where miracles happen and many of such miracles sometimes are never visible. They never get a show, but they are authentic miracles. Hallelujah. A miracle is not an end in itself. It helps people to put their faith in Jesus. It's a means to an end. Jesus, when he turned water into wine, there was the same black man from uh, South Africa who came to Bangalore to a church and demonstrated and made a show of turning water into wine. That is simply a show. Oh, Jesus did turn water into wine. So we should also believe, no? No. Why did Jesus do that? Firstly, there was a need. In our gospel meeting, we don't need wine here. If you're thirsty, you drink water. Jesus is, did not do that for a show. Are you here with me this morning? Don't get deceived by these miracles. That man was brought there out of a great pressure and a compulsion to do this to get more crowds to come. Show is to attract crowds. Miracle will draw people to Jesus. Hallelujah. At the end of the day, there is no point in having a crowd come and witness a show and for us to say on, on uh, our special meeting that we had, a time of prayer, we had 15, 20,000 people come and attend our meeting. Ultimately, it's for the numbers. There was a man who came and did this miracle of turning water into wine. It whether it was truly water turned into wine or whether everybody just, you know, gave a false witness, nobody knows. But that was for a show. There was no need for a wine in that meeting. This happened a few months back in a church in Bangalore. When Jesus did turn water into wine, go back and read in John 1. It says this was the first of the signs that Jesus did to show that he is the Messiah and many put their faith in him. 
the miracles serve as signs to help people put their faith in Jesus. Amen. The miracles serve and establishing his kingship over our lives. Amen. These are not, supernatural power of God is not for a show. He's not a magician who's doing a show and making people to get amazed. And that's what that sorcerer who got saved wanted from Peter and John. Let me give you some money. Give that same power that you have. What did Peter and John say? Cursed be it. The gifts of God are not for a show. The gifts of God are to establish his kingship over people's lives. Amen. Hallelujah. It's important that we, as we on this morning, now, why am I saying all of this? Because in this context, we got to understand there is a particular context that we are taking scriptures and understanding that as to what happened then. And now we're transferring that, that teaching to today, 21st century, today, our lives. While we apply that to our lives, we also got to be understanding of the 21st century context that we are in. You get what I'm saying? We are in also in a 21st century context of supernatural miracles that are happening all around us. And we can get falsely misled by many of the supernatural things that are talked about and the stories and the videos that go viral in today's world. So let's get it right. Supernatural power of God is demonstrated over sickness. Supernatural power of God is demonstrated over nature and the nation of Israel. Supernatural power of God is demonstrated over death by Jesus Lazaring, uh, raising Lazarus from the dead. He is a supernatural God. He has supernatural power. But his supernatural power is also available to us when we ask in his name. But that is to establish his kingship over our lives and his kingship over the lives of others also. Hallelujah. Amen. So in his name, you speak to this mountain and say, be thou cast into the sea. Don't go stand down at Metapalim and look at Uti mountain and say, go down into, you know, Indian Ocean. That's not going to happen. You see, that it will get you a show. But that's not supernatural power of God. Amen. But you say to a hindrance in your life, you speak to the mountain in somebody's life. And you speak against it and cast the demon, cast that hindrance, cast that, you know, the roadblock in their lives and you command it to leave. And the marriage gets restored. The finances come. The healing takes place. God provides supernaturally. And then the kingship of Jesus is established over their lives. I mean, that's why you have the access to tap into his supernatural power. Amen. Hallelujah. Just like how in many of our, you know, villages and small towns, you know, there is a, uh, you find cable lines uh, uh, going on the streets and some of these guys, what they would do is throw in uh, cable onto that cable and draw a line and then plug the street lights for them when they're doing a event or something. They will just steal that electricity from a line that is open line that is out there in the street. In the same way you can tap into that supernatural power of God and draw his power and you will see his kingship played out through his supernatural power at work in your life. 
Amen. We want to go after the authentic miracles and the authentic supernatural power of God and not some fake stories. Amen. Hallelujah. You see his kingship being played out in such an amazing way. His sovereignty and in his simplicity. His supernatural power, his kingship is shown, displayed through supernatural power, but not for a show. His supernatural power and his, his kingship is also played out thirdly through the songs and his sighs. Through the songs that he received, the songs of praise that he received and also through his sighs. He was also crying on the other side. On one side, people were praising him. What did they sing? Hosanna in the highest. The word Hosanna means save. And it was an exclamation of praise. But here it was both an exclamation of praise and a prayer also. Lord, save us. We are waiting for the deliverer to come and deliver us from Roman clutches. Save Hosanna in the highest. And you also find... They were saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're singing and praising and throwing palm branches, waving palm branches and throwing down their cloaks. You find the songs of praise as God has given us the grace and the, uh, and the natural intuitiveness to praise in mankind, his creation. That's why even those who do not know the true living God still worship something as God. Even in ancient times, they worshipped, you know, nature and many other things. There is that spirit that is inside of man with, where God is created with the sense of a knowledge of a God. Where man understands there is a God above him and he praises him. And so there are songs of praise that rise out of our hearts. When good things happen, we say, thank you, Jesus. When miracles happen, we praise God. We worship him. We Songs of praise and prayer of salvation were alluded to him. You find that in chapter 21 of Matthew verses 6 to 11. And also in chapter 21 verse 15 and 16. Go back to chapter 21 verses 15 and 16. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? These are the leaders, the teachers of the law, they are saying. They asked him, yes, Jesus replied, have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you Lord have ordered, call forth praise, hallelujah. God has ordered praise from the lips of children and from his people. Hallelujah. Where we we." understand and we receive him and his kingship is exercised his kingship over us is displayed in our praises to him hallelujah a king is someone before whom people will go and bow down amen and so you also have a, a song of praise that comes out of your heart songs of worship that rises from us and God is calling forth praise. He says to the Samaritan woman, a time has come and now it has come when the true worshipers will worship me in the Father in spirit and in truth. And God is seeking for such worshipers. Hallelujah. Well, we here have joined together as true worshipers, worshiping in spirit and truth. We are exalting and declaring that Jesus is King. Hallelujah. He's a king over our lives. 
he has sovereign authority but yet he is one as one who is very simple he is king as one who displays a supernatural power over sickness and nature and nations and over death also and so we also have that capacity to tap into that power the supernatural power of god and so we call him forth as king and through songs of praise and worship his kingship is established over our lives not only that through the songs of praise but jesus is also weeping over jerusalem there is a sigh over jerusalem he is the king of jerusalem he is the king of israel luke chapter 19 verse 41 to 44 luke chapter 19 verse 41 to 44 As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city he wept over it and said it's in the, again the context of the same uh, you know palm sunday story if you even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace but now it is hidden from your eyes you see him speaking as a king the days will come when you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side they will dash you to the ground you and the children within your walls they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of god's coming to you here is a sigh he is weeping over jerusalem he is proclaiming a doom for the city and this was fulfilled in 70 AD when titus the emperor came and destroyed the city of jerusalem not too far from where the time when jesus was speaking this that jerusalem is literally going to experience this because they fail to recognize the lord's coming you see his kingship both in the songs and in his heart for the people he's weeping over jerusalem normally people ask you know there is one time jesus wept and what was that time oh people say lazarus that's what we remember there were other times also jesus wept he weeps over jerusalem hallelujah weeps over jerusalem today he's weeping over those who have rejected him he's weeping over those who have known him but yet have not f- chosen to follow him hallelujah and you and i as a child of the king of kings and the lord of lords we worship him and declare him as king over our lives and have him rule and reign over our lives but also we also have a sigh a cry for the city we have a cry for the city of chennai we have a cry going up for the for the nation of india that jesus will be king over all peoples over our city and jesus will be king over this nation also Hallelujah while India goes to vote this na- this period of time let us pray on this Palm Sunday morning let us also cry out and pray as we celebrate as we sing and declare that he is king of our lives let's also have that same sigh as our king we also have this cry over the nation and say lord save our nation save our city hosanna hosanna an exclamation of praise and a cry of prayer Hosanna. Hallelujah. He is king over all peoples. He is king over our lives also. Now that we have understood this donkey ride is signaling his deliverance and the doom. You understand his kingship is displayed in this donkey ride where he is sovereign yet simple. He is has supernatural power 
but not for a show and you and I can tap into that supernatural power and bring his kingship into this world through the songs and our sighs we establish his kingship over our lives and over all other people also amen and so in closing this king who showed himself this way as the king of kings and the lord of lords who is king over our lives is has given us his kingdom amen he told peter i give my kingdom to you to the disciples he said i entrust to you a kingdom my kingdom and he's looking for a people who will produce its fruit in matthew chapter 21 matthew chapter 21 come back You come to that parable that's why we read the whole chapter the parable of the tenants a landowner planted a vineyard verse 33 onwards put a wall around it dug a wine press built a watchtower rented the vineyard to some farmers moved to another place harvest time came he sent his servants to the tenants to collect its fruit tenants seized his servants beat one killed another stoned a third then he sent another servants to them more than the first time and the tenants treated them the same way last of all he sent his son to them they will respect my son God was sending his prophets God was sending his men all through the ages that the people of Israel will turn to him but they failed finally he sent his only son Jesus but whom but when the tenants saw the son they said to each other this is the heir come let's kill and take his inheritance so they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him therefore when the owner of the vineyard comes what will he do to these tenants speaking of a doom there he will bring those wretches to a wretched end it's the people who answered that they replied and he will rent the vineyard to another to other tenants who will give him the share of the crop at the harvest time that's what jesus has done that's what god has done he sent his messiah they killed him they put him on a cross but he rose again on the third day but now he has rented his vineyard to other tenants the gospel has come to gentiles because the jews rejected him amen and he is looking for fruit from among us where we will bring forth bring the harvest bring the crop to him jesus said to them have you never read in the scriptures the stone the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone the lord has done this and it's marvelous in our eyes therefore i tell you the kingdom of god will be taken away from you speaking to the jews the kingdom of god will be taken the kingdom was theirs the covenant was theirs the promises were theirs the revelation of the messiah was theirs the revelation of god and the progressive revelation of god was theirs the full blown revelation of god in the person of christ right there standing in foot physically was theirs but they rejected him and so he says the kingdom will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces anyone on whom it falls will be crushed when the chief priests and the pharisees heard jesus's parables they knew he was talking about them they looked for a way to arrest him but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held he was a prophet they still did not accept him but the kingdom has been entrusted to us to establish his kingship his lordship hallelujah are you ready for that to produce the fruit of its kingdom to produce the fruit of the kingdom john the baptist came about preaching the kingdom and he said produce fruit in keeping with repentance produce fruit in keeping with repentance he's looking for fruit in this kingdom 
And you and I have been entrusted with his kingdom where he is king. Because the Jews rejected, the gospel has now come to the Gentiles. And we have also now come into the kingdom. In Colossians, Paul's write, Paul writes in saying, we have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. When Jesus is king, as he's sovereign, his kingship is displayed in his sovereignty yet in his simplicity. His kingship is displayed in his supernatural power demonstrated in our lives and through us as we tap into his supernatural power. And his kingship is demonstrated as we sing songs of praise and cry out in prayer as we worship for those who are still not established his kingship in their lives. While we do that, we understand that we are in this kingdom and he is our king. And he wants us to produce its fruit. Are you ready to produce its fruit on this Palm Sunday and for the rest of your lives? Hallelujah. May this Palm Sunday be like never before where you have a good understanding of what it is all about so that we will go forth and produce its fruit, the fruit of the kingdom. Amen. Hallelujah. May we continue to enjoy and experience his kingship over our lives. May he be sovereign over your life. Would you make room for Jesus to come into your life and become your king again? May you allow him to be the sovereign God of your life. May he command things. May he make the choices for you. May he, with his foreknowledge, tell you what you've got to be doing, where you've got to be doing, going, whom you have to be marrying, what you have to be studying, where you have to be settling, what you've got to be accomplishing in life. What is the plan and the purpose of your life? May that be revealed by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as he is sovereign over your life. But also... May you experience his simplicity and his gentleness as well. And you experience him and you are not lording it over others. As even as he's given us the spiritual authority to drive out demons and heal the sick. May his supernatural power be demonstrated and you experience his kingship. But also may God enable you to demonstrate his power and establish his kingship over the lives of others. Amen. May God enable us to sing songs of praise and adore him as our king, but also cry out for his kingship to come upon others. May you produce the fruit of his kingdom. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we are grateful to you for helping us to learn your word this morning, for enabling us to meditate upon your word. We are grateful to you for revealing the mysteries of your word and enlightening our hearts this morning. Lord, we just pray that you will enable us to have you as our king and not with an understanding of kingship in a very simplistic way, but in the reality of who you are as king. Can we just pray this one prayer? Lord, May I experience your kingship in the reality of who you are as king. Amen. Hallelujah. Not with our simplistic understanding, not in how we imagine Jesus to be king, but in the reality of who he is as king. May that be displayed in my life. Hallelujah. May you be sovereign. May your supernatural power be displayed. 
also we pray this morning, O oh God, that we will sing and we will also cry. Hallelujah. And produce the fruit of your kingdom. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this awesome experience that you've given to us. This privilege that you've given to us. Do you imagine? Can you imagine the kind of privilege that you and I enjoy this morning, brother, sister, of being in the kingdom of God? Would you thank Jesus for that? Can we just lift our hands for a moment and just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we praise you. We thank you, Lord. For you've given us the privilege to come and partake of the broken body and the shed blood that Lord was given to us, Lord. For you died and you rose again. You suffered on the cross for our sins. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Even this morning, we are so joyful that uh, God has, somebody gifted us, in fact, my uncle, my dad's brother, gifted a beautiful cup and a small tray uh, in silver from Israel, <laughs> Jerusalem. <laughs> it's just come to us and there's nothing very auspicious or special about uh, coming from Jerusalem. It's nice. Looks good. Silver. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. As we participate in the broken body of the Lord Jesus and his shed blood, may his kingship be renewed in our lives this morning. Amen. Pray that prayer. Hallelujah. It's a matter of your faith. It's not in just consuming the elements. It's a matter of your faith. Amen. Hallelujah. For I received of the Lord that also I delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. This morning, in remembrance, in proclamation of his kingship over our lives, we partake. Of the same manner, he also took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. This is a proclamation of the death of the Lord. A proclamation. Amen. By participating, we proclaim that the Lord Jesus died for me. He rose again for me. Hallelujah. We come and participate with thanksgiving. And we renew our submission to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. May he be the king of our lives in full reality of who he is as king. Amen. Let's participate. Praise the Lord. Let's come forward and Participate in the table of the Lord. Uh, we request Pastor DeGraff to please come forward and uh, be part of serving the Lord's table. <laughs>